What's up, you guys? Welcome back to Me and You TV Reviews. I am your host, Mo, and today we will be discussing American Horror Story Season 11, Episode 3, titled Smoke Signals. I hope everybody is having a wonderful day. This episode was really good, y'all, but I'm not going to jinx it because I know sometimes the, the episodes start to dip when we get towards the middle of the season. I don't know how many episodes this season got, but I don't want it to go bad either. I'm very intrigued by what's going on. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. So Fran and Hannah are at the diner, and Hannah's telling her what she saw while she was waiting on Fran. So she's describing the whole encounter with Scary Bane. But Fran is pretty skeptical about her story. And so she was like, yeah, whatever. So they actually start to shift the conversation over to what Fran actually called her about. And so Fran tells her that she used to be this lab assistant. And part of her job description was to write reports, you know, prep samples, do all of that lab corporate stuff. And so while she was doing that, that's how she actually stumbled onto the files that she was telling Hannah about. So she tells her about this thing called this program called operation paperclip which was basically like this post-war program where the u.s used nazi scientists against russians during the red scare so i'm not quite sure what the red scare is i'm not sure if any of you are aware either but i'm going to try to do some research by the end of this episode hopefully i should be able to tell y'all what it is because i have no idea so they take us back to 1952 and she tells us that the scientists would do crossbreed contaminations and actually test them on patients. And so what they would end up doing was they would mix these diseases that you would find in humans, and then they would mix them with diseases that you would find in animals just to kind of see what would happen, and then they would test them on patients to see how it would affect, like, the human body. What the entire fuck? Like, that's some twisted stuff. And so eventually, they were able to find a contagion that was good, but because it was too big to be airborne, they ended up engineering it and rigging it to where it was spread when it was in the mucous membranes. So Hannah is still trying to connect the dots to see how all of this is actually related to what's going on with the virus that she's found. And Fran tells her that the Cold War is starting to get bad. And so they're starting to test again. And this time, they're actually preying on the homeless prisoners in the system and drug addicts and so what they'll do is they end up tricking these people to volunteer by offering them money so they could be their test dummies and so they were experimenting with a little bit of everything they you know used this time they used the ticks to be the carriers to spread the disease right but what happened was some of the ticks got loose and as we know, the rest is history, right? Because the ticks done got on the deers and now they done got on everybody else. And so Hannah warns against conspiracy theories because she believes that they can definitely do more harm than good. But she doesn't need to be naive to the fact that this stuff is somewhat possible. Her story was, Fran's story was way too outlandish for it to be just like this mere conspiracy theory. So she goes on to tell her that the scientists that created these diseases had malicious intent in mind because they're targeting people that they really, really detest. And so she's telling Hannah all this information because she read the recent article about them putting down all the deers and she was like, oh, hell no, that's got to be related to this because the virus has spread to them. And so she warns her 
she needs to look more closely at her patients to check and see if they're having any type of symptoms that are similar to those deers. And if they are, then they need to go to the, she needs to go to the press ASAP because Fran's life is on the line because of all of the shit that she knows, right? So she needs to get this out as soon as possible so she won't die trying to get this uncovered, right? So she then throws out the name Karen Silkwood and she was like, guess where she is now? She's in a freaking cemetery. And so I'm assuming that maybe Karen was a whistleblower and she got caught up and got got. So Hannah needs to act quickly. So... She's got to get going because at the end of the day, this could start a, a pandemic and she surely doesn't want more people dying over this. So we'll see what happens. So Barbe Stu wakes up because he's still in the human cage and he starts looking around the room, right? And he notices that nobody is down there with him, but the door to the cage is unlocked get out right now so y'all he books it the fuck out of there so he's able to make it out of the basement unscathed and he's so close to freedom he can taste it on the tip of his tongue but when he opens the front door to the actual apartment or condo or whatever it is scary bane is standing to the side of the door what the hell is he gonna be able to escape y'all so scary bane makes no type of moves towards his direction and he tells him that he just wants to get out of there he just want to go home and so scary bane still stares straight ahead motionless right and so barbe Stu takes that as his signal and he starts walking towards him and then he passes him and he hits the elevator to go down so as we we both hold our breath baby he is able to get out of there. Oh, my God. Ain't no telling how long he was down there, y'all. Did anybody go looking for him? I'm so glad he was able to get to get out. So maybe now we can expose some people for the evil, sadistic people that they truly are. Sam gonna get his watch. Meanwhile, back at the station, there's this board of all the victims that were part of the severed hand chain link, right? But none of them were actually in the database. But Patrick's going to look to see if anyone has been reported missing. But so far, nothing has come of it. So Patrick is actually going to go meet with someone who's got a very interesting story to tell. And who knows, it may turn out to be a lead for this case. So fingers crossed. So the guy he's getting a statement from is Barbe Stu. And he ain't wasting no time getting down there, y'all. So he starts to tell Patrick what Sam was forcing him to do while he was being held captive. And he ain't getting knocked upside the head or anything like that. He simply answered the payphone outside a leather bar called The Ditch. And just from that single phone call, it landed him in a whirlwind of chaos. So... He tells him that the guy that he was on the phone with was funny and charming. And so he decided that he would go and have some fun with him. But he never thought that he would end up in the predicament that he, he got himself into. And so he gives Patrick a description of Sam, right? So Patrick and one of the other detectives show up to Sam and Theo's place. And they're having like this little kickback where it's like all guys, right? And they definitely have the high strung party favors like, 
you know, the nose candy going around and some bubbly. And so Patrick tells Sam that they need to ask him some questions. And so he takes them to his dungeon. And he tells them that, yeah, Barbe Stu was there, but he was definitely not being held against his will. And so he was like, nope, everything they did was consensual. And Patrick asked him, did he misconstrue his emotions by chance? Because let Barbe Stu tell it like he's telling a completely different story. And he's telling him that there was definitely no way that he was into it. Um, And so he was like, uh-uh, nope. That guy was definitely into it. Trust me, I know, because Barbe Stu is not the first guy that I had down here, and he definitely won't be the last, okay? Like, I I didn't pick up any bad vibes from him. He just straight up shouldn't, like, just <laughs> telling him all of this BS, right? And so Patrick knows it. So Sam is like, now I'm going to assume that you're not going to arrest me because Barbe Stu hasn't pressed any charges and like i said according to sam he enjoyed it but patrick quickly corrects him and says he's not pressing charges because he enjoyed it he's not pressing charges because he's actually afraid of the repercussions this will have on his reputation and sam fires back at him and was just like oh that's something you're very familiar with aren't you and so patrick was like excuse me and so Sam is just like, you can try to put on this act in front of your little partner buddy over there, but I know what you into. And I know that you know about pain, so don't fuck with me. That's Sam. He is a feisty one, isn't he? And so Patrick, <clears throat> he's got to hurry up and figure out how in the world he's going to handle this. Because eventually if he decides not to come out honey he somebody else is gonna gonna put him out there so he better make a decision soon so back at patrick's place he's talking to gino about what happened that day and gino just cannot believe that patrick is just gonna let all this shit go that easily and he was like oh so you just gonna you just gonna believe what sam say but i mean unbeknownst to gino patrick don't really have a choice right now because he don't want to be outed so like I said, he don't have a choice. So he sarcastically tells him, well, I guess that means no paperwork for you, huh? <laughs> and damn Gino. So Patrick insists that Sam is not the same guy who kidnapped Gino because the rooms just don't match. Gino shows Patrick the sketch that he had drawn up, and we know that it's a spot-on drawing, but Patrick isn't convinced that Gino was in his right frame of mind to remember those types of details that accurately. Of course... Gino gets upset, right? Because he keeps shooting down his ideas. He like, every time I come up with an idea to try to figure this shit out here, you come being a Debbie Downer. So then he tells him about his ex-wife, coming to pay him a visit and telling him about the box. And so Patrick finally breaks down and was like, yeah, I used to go to leather bars, but Gino isn't just hung up on the fact that he lied to him about it, but the fact that Patrick was lying to everyone about his identity. So Gino just wants him to understand that he doesn't have to be ashamed of your kinks, okay? We all have kinks. You don't have to be ashamed. Everybody loves what they love, and that's okay. As long as we ain't hurt nobody, we ain't trying to kill nobody, like, we good. We all just trying to get get get, get it on. 
to get along in society with everybody else. <laughs> and so they switched gears back to Barbe Stew and the payphone. And so they were like, well, maybe this is the way that they can try to catch the guy, right? And so Patrick doesn't want to become the laughingstock of the pre-scene if he tells him, you know, if he tells them what he's really working on. But Gino uses some Jedi mind tricks on him, right? A little reverse psychology and the next thing we know, we see Patrick staking out the damn payphone right outside the right outside the leather bar. Now Gino's got the gift of gab, baby. He know how to work at mouth. So while Patrick is outside this well, outside waiting on the payphone to ring, this rando tries to come and holler at him. And of course he turns him down. Just then the phone rings, right? And so when it rings, Patrick gets really excited. But, unfortunately, on the other end of the line, it's a Latino woman saying something in Spanish. And so he just tells her it's the wrong number and he hangs up on her. So they go through this whole montage of phone calls that occur over the next few hours. Just when it looks like he's about to give up and starts walking away from the phone, he hears it ring one more time. And so what's the harm in answering it one more time? So he goes to answer it and on the other end is the Mai Tai Killer. And he's asking him if he's tired of standing there because he's been standing there all damn night. I know your feet hurt. They gotta be sore. <laughs> That's what he's saying. <laughs> Me and him thinking the same thing. So Patrick is just trying to see if he can see anyone right looking out a window from where he's standing. But the way that he's standing from his point of view, he would have to look all the way over his shoulder to see where the Monty Killer is actually standing. Um... And so, like I said, unless he looked over his shoulder, he would never be able to see him. And so he tells Patrick to meet him in 20 minutes at the address that he provides for him, and they'll see where they go from there. And so he was like, okay. And he was like, well, good luck finding me amongst the crowd, okay? That's going to be the fun part. So Patrick ends up at one of the parties that Adam went to with his friend on the previous episode. And so when he gets there... He runs into a couple of duds just trying to find the mysterious caller, but then he spots someone who's got his eye on him, too. And so he ends up following the guy into some back room where they're definitely doing some more interesting things back there, okay? But he eventually runs into the the mystery caller, and so he hems him up real quick, right, and grabs one of the weapons that he's carrying. Well, I thought it was the mystery guy, but I don't think that's him. He doesn't look the same. Maybe it was just different different clothes. I don't know. But it doesn't look like him. But anyway, he's got this mystery guy hemmed up, honey. And mystery guy goes for the gusto and starts kissing Patrick. And, of course, it initially takes him by surprise, right? But once the initial shock wears off, honey, Patrick kisses him back. And he throws him up against the wall. He grabs a whip, baby. And he just starts sounding off on him. Y'all done, y'all done let the old Patrick out, out the closet, honey. He is ready to go for tonight. And I didn't hear no safe word be mentioned. So hopefully he'll know when to stop. Y'all think, <laughs> y'all think he gonna end up sleeping with that guy? Is he the Monty Killer? Do y'all think that that was the Monty Killer? I don't think it was. It didn't look like him, but it might have just been different clothes. I don't know, y'all. Anyway, so we see the weird guy from the clinic now. And y'all, when we see him this time, because he's waiting on the subway, when he looks down the thing, 
the way that they they shot that shot he looks like the clown from it and if y'all saw the episode i y'all y'all know exactly what the hell i'm talking about okay y'all agree with me on that one because he does look like the it guy did he play it anyway he could have been a stunt double so he's waiting on the subway and he's now got this rash all over his forearm his forearm right so he suddenly hears a noise and then he sees a woman and it looks like the woman that adam saw when he was on the subway and she says something is coming for him and so he was like what did you say but she doesn't respond to him instead she turns and walks in the opposite direction and he just follows her into the darkness y'all he gonna end up getting hit by one of them subways just watch meanwhile adam is talking to gino about his kidnapping and gino tells him that the guy let him go because he noticed that he was a fellow vet when he saw his tattoo and that he thanked him for his service and then he shows him the composite sketch that he had drawn up and so adam knows that it's definitely not scary bane and so are we dealing with two killers instead of just one and he tells gino that he's got a date at the ascension bar with theo and in my head, I'm thinking, good, let somebody know your location because it's too dangerous out there right now. And so Gino warns him to just be careful because if he's going to be going around, you know, Theo, and he's going around talking about the Mai Tai killer, that may prompt the target to be placed on his back even more so than what it already is. And as far as his date with Theo, he warns them to be careful with that too because he's heard that his lover is a very powerful person and that he's also got a really dark side to him. So just tread lightly, okay? Just be careful. So Gino goes back down to the bar where the, the cop guy was killed, right? Well, the guy that was dressed like a cop was killed. And he talks to his friend. And so he's showing her the sketch and he tells her that he not only got kidnapped by this guy, but he thinks this could also be the Mai Tai killer. And she tells him that she for sure saw him the other night and he had a really dark aura around him. Okay, But she just presumed that he was just one of the vets that had came back from Nam because majority of them have a dark aura around them but maybe just not as heavy as his. And so he begs her to let him post some of the flyers up in the club so this guy can be captured once and for all because he's tired of waiting on the police to help him. Like, they're just not. And so she relents and tells him to just be careful with the tape. Um, ma'am, it's dark in there. Ain't nobody worried about a little paint being lifted due to some tape being pulled off the damn wall. <laughs> Nobody cares about that. And as soon as I was thinking that, she was sending it on TV. Don't nobody care about that shit. <laughs> so Adam arrives at the Ascension Bar and is met by a black queen, honey. And to me, he kind of looks like he could be Gabby's brother, G Gabby Sidibe. Uh, but she tells him the rules of entering the bar, honey. He must be out. He must be employed. And he must never bore her if he wants to be a member there. Well... He's checked two of the three so far because he's out and he's definitely gainfully employed, okay? But his friend might be able to verify that last part and he gives her Theo's name. So, at, uh, we find out that her name is actually Dunaway. And so, she takes him to Theo and 
Theo, um, not Theo, Lord, Adam shows Dunaway the sketch and asks her if she had ever seen that guy before. And so she responds by saying that he looks like every other white man that she's bumped into in there. But what did he do? And so he tells her about him possibly being a Mata killer. And then he asks about Big Daddy and asks, has she seen him? And so, of course, she replies, no. But if you see him, can you give him my address, honey? Because, baby. <laughs> uh, but I don't think you want that type of pressure from him, okay? So, meanwhile, when Theo shows up and gets taken to Adam, the door is left open to the outside. And we see Scary Bane standing in the view of the doorway. Y'all, I hope that Adam and Theo do not get killed. That will hurt my heart. So Theo starts off on a bad note by ordering two beers so he can feel like the typical American man because that's how he sees Adam. So they start to have a conversation and Adam basically just tells him that he doesn't want to get his hopes up by catching feelings for him only for Theo to still stay on this path of self-sabotage. So then he shows Theo the sketch and then it shoots over to Gino showing the same sketch to Henry at the other bar at the, the Brownstone. And so Henry admits that he knows who the guy actually is. And as a matter of fact, he showed up last night, but he wasn't able to get lucky last night. So Gino gets upset and asks him why he didn't call the police. And Henry sarcastically runs down how he thinks a call to, you know, 911 would go coming from a gay man. And so then he tells Gino that when he was younger, he was almost murdered on three separate occasions not once not twice but on three separate occasions okay and subtly but not really wants him to stop trying to figure out these killings within the community but gino tells his story of survival but he points out that the spike drink was one that henry had brought him and of course henry apologizes to him for what happened but he tells him that he had nothing to do with any of that and so Gino hands him the flyer and just walks away. So Patrick ends up making it back to his house and he's back in that closet again, figuratively and literally, okay? <laughs> when we see him digging through his closet and he finds all of his leather gear. And he is just in the mood, honey. So he puts it on and just then, y'all, he gets this itch on his shoulder. And when he goes to scratch that itch, we see that he's got a rash that's beginning to form on his arm. Dang, Patrick. They're going to have to hurry up and figure out how to cure this, this virus. Like, what is it? And so, back over to Theo and Adam. So, Theo denies ever seeing the guy in the sketch. Well, what about your boyfriend, asked Adam. Maybe he's seen him. And so, Theo was just like, well, maybe, but I can't be 100% certain. Why are you worried about him anyway? And so, Adam tells him what he's heard around town about his man. And Theo can only say that, yeah, he's done some stuff, but he ain't no killer, all right? And so, he was like, well, did you know about the S&M stuff? And Theo doesn't respond to that part because I think he does. But he does confirm that Sam was the one who bought Big Daddy Bang to him. I'm going to call him Big Daddy Bang, y'all. <laughs> so 
So he, he does confirm that, yes, Sam was the one who bought Big Daddy Bane to him, but he tells Adam that Big Daddy Bane is dead. And Adam is like, you shouldn't just believe whatever Sam tells you to be fact. And we see someone doing something with some chains, right? So then Theo says Sam wasn't always like he currently is, but... When you get away with doing so much bad stuff for so long, the fine line between what's right and what's wrong starts to get very blurry. And so Adam tells him that Big Daddy Bane is not dead. In fact, he's very alive. He's seen him with his own eyes. And Sam knows that to be fact, too. So the Theo vows to find him, you know, find out if he is indeed alive. And then, just then, a server comes over and delivers to Adam a my tie and so he was like i didn't order this and so the server is like oh it's courtesy of the guy at the bar and so you know adam is up on game now so he knows what to be looking for so adam tries to see if he can see the guy who sent him the drink right but dunaway starts screaming that the door is locked they're all locked in this building Y'all, as soon as they said that, I was like, Lord, please don't let a fire break out. So they managed to break the chain to lock, right? And so when Dunaway opens up the door, Scary Bane is standing right there with a fire torch. And y'all, he throws it inside the building like a Molotov cocktail. So, of course, everyone jumps back when he throws it to avoid the flames. But when they do that, that gives him the opportunity to close the door back and relock the lock again. And, y'all, the building goes up in flames. Oh, my God. I, uh, Y'all, my nerves is frazzled for these folks. So, someone thinks quickly enough to use a chair to break one of the windows. So, thank goodness. So, some of the smoke can be diverted outside outside the building but i'm pretty sure this is they still have to act really quickly because this is not going to be enough to make sure everybody gets out alive so we see hannah's meeting with someone and she's basically requesting permission to be able to draw like some blood samples from a certain population of people and so he was like okay i'm listening and so she tells the guy that she only wants to sample gay men that present with the symptoms that she's already described to him you know that are coming from the deers and so he tells her that they have to follow protocol which would take months to approve but she's actually given the nod to do the sample before i'm sorry not so so before she's actually able to get the nod to do the sample test and they got to follow all this protocol which could take months to get approved right and so he tells her that he simply can't approve her request because it could cost him his job, even though it could potentially mean them saving millions of people's lives in the process. And so he tells her that if that's the case, then she should be able to go through the proper channels. But for now, the answer is no. So what is she going to do now? How is she going to get these testing samples that she needs to get done? Like something's got to get done now. And so as she's walking out of her meeting feeling defeated, she sees all of these ambulances rolling up with patients in critical condition. And so one of the patients just happens to be Whiteley. Then one of the EMTs suggests that they bring in any extra doctors that may be on call. Y'all, is this her golden ticket to collect 
the necessary samples that she needs? I think so. So the arson attack has already resulted in four people's deaths so far. And who knows if that number won't climb any higher. So she goes to the payphone and does what I thought she would do. She's be, she's being very, very smart. And so she tells the other person on the other end of the, the line to order 15 blood kits to be sent over to the hospital ASAP. Way to think on your toes, Hannah. That's what I'm talking about, girl. So Adam is furious in all caps. And he's blaming the Matai killer for the attack, but Theo doubts it was him. And so Adam keeps coughing and while he's on this, this whole rampage. And the nurse thinks that he may be having some smoke inhalation issues going on. And so he wants him to lay down so he can listen to him. But y'all, in real life, he gonna need testing to be ran to confirm, you know, the smoke inhalation theory. But Adam ain't going, okay? And so he starts to fight back with the staff. And so while the staff is trying to get him under control, he tells Theo to go find Gino and tell him that the Matai killer is responsible for this attack. So as Theo is heading for the exit, Dunaway passes him on a gurney and tells him that the fire is coming. Or was that a premonition? Because, you know, Theo has premonitions. And so he's able to get in contact with Gino and Theo lets him know that the killer is in the hospital right now. And when he goes to look for him, they discover that he literally just checked himself out AMA five minutes before they showed up. They were so close, y'all. Oh, that grinds my gears. So Hannah is talking to Dunaway and he tells her that the guy that started the fire is not just coming for the guys. He's coming for all of them. Okay, there's a much sinister play at hand. And so Hannah meets with Adam and tells him that she needs a sample from him and unties his restraints and gets the sample. And so then she gets Whiteley's just as Patrick and Gino are combing the hallways trying to find him. So she advises him to rest since she she just literally took eight vials of blood from him. You know, it's like once you give blood, like, you know, at the Red Cross or whatever, they tell you to rest for a minute or eat some cookies and drink some juice or whatever. So you can you can keep yourself straight. But he was like, uh-uh, I got to go. I got to go right now because he knows that they're hot on his trail. And so in order for him to not get caught, he got to go right now. So Gino catches up with him in a parking lot and starts chasing him up the stairwell in the hospital. And so Wiley ends up exiting onto one of the floors just to literally walk past him. Not once. Like he walks past Gino, not once, but twice, y'all. And so Gino hears the phone ring or something like that. And so he turns around in the nick of time to see him walk in in the opposite direction. And so Gino follows him onto the floor where the morgue is. Y'all, y'all already know ain't nothing good finna come from this. It's, (laughs) ain't nothing good finna come from this. Somebody ain't coming back. And so he grabs a weapon, right? And Gino starts opening up the freezers where the bodies are stored. And so while he's doing that, trying to find the Matai killer, Patrick is still roaming the hallways, okay? So 
Gino and my tire in the morgue and my tire manages to surprise Gino by sneaking up on him. And so he knocks him out with some chloroform, right? And so by the time Gino wakes up, y'all, he's already bound at the wrist and the ankles by tape. And he's lying on one of the metal gurneys that lets out of the freezer, right? Because we're still in the morgue. And so he tells Gino that he would never spill the blood of another vet, but this way, he'll just freeze to death. At least it'll be peaceful because he'll just go to sleep and dream forever and ever. And so as he says that, y'all, he pushes that damn gurney inside the freezer and closes the door. Oh my God, y'all. Gino is trapped inside the morgue in this place where nobody ever really goes besides the medical examiner or, you know, somebody going down there to, to put the bodies down there until somebody comes to pick them up. Y'all, is he going to be able to get out? Is somebody going to be able to come save him? Like, all this shit just keep happening to Gino. I feel so bad for him. <laughs> That's how the episode ends, y'all. As he's kicking and screaming. He's kicking the freezer door and screaming for somebody to come find him. I hope Patrick is able to find him in time. But how he going to get down? Anyway. That's how the episode ends, y'all. My nerves are shot because I don't know what's going to happen, okay? I, I don't know. Y'all let me know what y'all think. Y'all can reach me at Menu TV Reviews on Facebook and Instagram. You can also reach me through email at my TV Reviews podcast without the S at gmail.com. Um, you can also just leave me like a voice message on like iHeart or some of those other apps that um, that you guys use. Yeah. Just reach out to me, y'all. I communicate back. Um, if you have any other show suggestions, let me know because two of them are coming to an end pretty soon. And so I'm just trying to pick up some more shows. I have two that I'm going to start. Um, and I don't want to tell you guys what they are until I actually start them. So hopefully you guys will be on the ride um, with me for those two as well. But we'll see. But let me know what you guys think about this episode. I I am digging this season. And I hope you guys are too. I really appreciate everybody that's listening. New and old. Please tell everybody about me. Leave a rating if you haven't already. Leave a review, y'all. I would appreciate all of that, okay? I love y'all. And I hope y'all have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the day. And I will talk to you guys soon. So until we meet over the airwaves again, I am Mo. And like I said, I will talk to you guys soon. Bye.